This is Sports Talk with Phil Cordblue, Chris Bergen, and Pat Daniel. Sports Talk is heard across the state on radio affiliates of the Sports Talk Media Network and is streaming live on SportsTalkSC.com as well as Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. The South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number to call in is 888-898-2525. That's 888-898-2525. Now, here are Phil, Chris, and Pat with tonight's edition of Sports Talk. All right, what a day it's been. Welcome, welcome in. Busy, busy, big Thursday here on Sports Talk. Phil Kornblut, Pat Daniel Sports Talk, South Carolina's most talked about sports talk show. Most listened to, most followed, most discussed, most loved, most hated, and when I'm talking, the most handsome sports talk show. If a sports talk show could have a face, it would have this one. It would be voted the most handsome. Might even win something on the Senior Bachelor might even uh, have a have a wedding tonight for it, if it could have a face, if it could have a heart. Our phone number, 888-898-2525. And uh, lots to talk about tonight, the transfer portal, John. Uh, good and bad today for South Carolina just a few moments ago. Gamecocks got a commitment from wide receiver transfer from Louisville, Amari Huggins-Bruce. He's a Dillon native. A guy that in South Carolina, they were kind of lukewarm towards coming out of high school. He ended up going to Louisville, had a good three years there at Louisville, played three years, did not redshirt, and now he is committed to South Carolina. Uh, The Gamecocks today also gained a commitment from one of the other transferred targets in for an official visit over the last couple of days. This, a big lineman, the best lineman in the MEAC. He can play center. He can play guard. Torricelli Simpkins, 6'5", 320, out of North Carolina Central. So he commits to uh, the Gamecocks as well. But not all was good for the Gamecocks in the world of the transfer portal, John, as they lost. This has got to be one of the first. I guess it's happened where a transfer commits and then decommits because of extenuating circumstances. The tight end that the Gamecocks got a commitment from out of uh, Ball State, who's a good athlete, he was a quarterback, originally coming out of high school, goes to Ball State, becomes a tight end. Brady Hunt, who had committed to South Carolina back on December 17th, but Gamecock Central reported He is flipping his commitment to Texas A&M. His former position coach at Ball State was hired by Mike Elko at Texas A&M. So there's a connection there, and you can see why uh, that would happen. You certainly hate to have it happen to you. You hate to have a decommitment, hate to have a flip happen to you, whether it's on the high school level or the transfer level, but it happens nonetheless. And at one point, when he committed to South Carolina, that looked like a very good pickup for the Gamecocks, a talented tight end with a lot of skills. Uh, But now he is headed to uh, Texas A&M, according to Gamecock Central. Uh, Last time I checked, now maybe he's changed things. Last time I checked on his X profile, also known as Twitter, he still had his commitment to uh, South Carolina on it. But maybe he's changed that in the last little bit 
and officially announce something. Let me check. Uh, take a quick look here. No, he still has uh, pinned on his X page. Uh, Spurs up, South Carolina committed. Um, still has on there the welcome home from South Carolina uh, to him. Um, so he hasn't changed it yet, but the report is he's going to go to Texas A&M. So there you go. Also, Clemson looking at some things in the uh, transfer portal, John, area as well. So we'll uh, catch up on all that in our recruiting report. Phone number 888-898-2525, South Carolina Education Lottery. Lucky number for you. To get in here on Sports Talk, lines are open at this moment, so go ahead and grab them. Had great calls this week. Love to hear from you. Mike Morgan will be here 705, talk about things in Mike Morgan's world as he travels around doing college basketball and still some NFL football has been in his past. Not sure if it will be in his future with the playoffs around the corner. We'll find out from Mike what he has planned there. We'll hear from Clemson basketball coach Brad Brownell as the Tigers took it on the chin last night at Miami. What a second-half shooting performance by the Hurricanes. You shoot 75%, you're going to win most ball games, and that was the case. Uh, Brad Brownell said last night in all his years of coaching that might have been the worst half of defense he's ever had by a team. 75% shooting against you, yeah. 14 of 15 from the free throw line, yeah. Creating turnovers and turning them into baskets, yeah. All that all that did, all that was was done by Miami after Clemson had a six-point lead that became an eight-point lead early in the second half. And it was tight there for a little while as Miami caught up and eventually went ahead, and the Tigers and Hurricanes exchanged baskets until Miami put a little run together and built about a 10-point lead, and, and that was it. The Tigers really couldn't challenge because they couldn't stop Miami from scoring. So Clemson takes its first loss in the ACC. They're 1-1. One one. They've got North Carolina coming in for noon tip on Saturday. And, of course, now you have to kind of wonder, you know, this Clemson team so good, including a win over Pittsburgh in the first couple of months of the season, but they go on the road for their – I'm not going to say their first big test because Pittsburgh was a, a big test on the road. Playing at Memphis was a, a big test on the road. Of course, they did lose to Memphis. They did win at Pittsburgh. This had to be a disappointing one, though, to, to lose the way they did at Miami. will raise some questions when they go into this North Carolina game, and North Carolina's kind of feeling it now because they've put some wins together. They're starting to feel better about things. So Clemson faces a big test against North Carolina. And then South Carolina, we'll hear from Lamont Paris tonight. He met with the media this afternoon after practice and talked about his team. Everybody's healthy, ready to go against a good Mississippi State team to open up SEC play on Saturday at noon at the Colonial Life Arena. The Gamecocks, are they for real at 11-1? and That was the question to Paris today. Do you think this team looks like, acts like, feels like a one-loss team at this point? And his answer was basically, yeah, this team's got a lot of confidence. This team believes it can win. This team, he said, if they just do what they're supposed to do, which, of course, is play defense at a high level, make the outside shots, make the extra pass, this team will win. They just have to do what they've been coached and what they plan to do, carry it out, and he thinks they'll win. So, not necessarily saying he's predicting a win over Mississippi State, just that this team uh, can be and should be competitive game in and game out. But a big test for them coming up 
against Mississippi State. Tonight, the USC women open up SEC play at Florida. The USC women have won 15 in a row over the women of Florida. So they have uh, owned this series for quite a long time. And, of course, they have been dominant. They're 12-0, and ranked number one. And Florida is 9-3. and The Gamecocks are winning by an average of 41, uh, make that 49, almost uh, 50 points per game. Huh? No, that's not right, Corn. 41 points per game. I'm sorry. They're giving up 50, and they are outscoring opponents by 41. That's still pretty impressive. But, but, there's always a but, right? There's always a but. Uh, what is it about this team that could be a problem down the road? I was just looking. Not that I was looking for something negative. That would be against my nature. But just looking to see where there might be an Achilles heel here with, the, with this Gamecock basketball team. About the only thing I could find at this point, but it could be critical, is free throw shooting. They're only a 63% free throw shooting team. Now, against most of the opponents they will play, that's not going to be a, a problem because obviously they beat teams by so much. Free throw shooting is not an issue, okay? However, when you get to the Sweet 16 or the Elite Eight or the Final Four, you know, free throw shooting could rear its ugly head at that point. Last year, when they made the Final Four, they shot 69% from the line. When they won the 2022 National Championship, they shot 67%. When they won the National Championship in 2017, they shot 21, I'm sorry, 71%. So those were better free-throw shooting teams than this one has been thus far. Um, so just saying, you got to keep an eye on that if and when they run into some tight games and have to go to the line down the stretch. Will they get the right people to the line? Okay, you look at uh, who do you want on the line. Pow Pow is shooting 70% from the line. Okay, Watkins is shooting 40 Seven percent. So, I don't think you want her at the uh, at the free throw line if you can't avoid that. Um, now, Cordosa is not bad. She's a seventy one percent free throw shooter. Full Wiley is shooting seventy percent. Uh, Kitts is at sixty seven percent. So, you know who you want at the free throw line. Raven Johnson, for example, though you know a point guard who's going to have the ball in her hands a lot. She's only a 54% free throw shooter. So you get the right people to the line, you'll be all right. But the defense will know who to foul in those tight situations if it's a a close ball game. Just saying, something to think about when it comes to uh, this USC women's basketball team and their attempt to uh, run through the SEC and get back to a national championship uh, situation. Okay. Phone number, 888-898-2525. South Carolina Education Lottery. Lucky number for you here on Sports Talk. Pat, before we go to the phone calls, you got anything that uh, you want to comment on that's caught your attention today in the great world of sports in South Carolina or elsewhere? Not thus far. I saw a couple players out there. Oklahoma State quarterback Alan Bowman was awarded a seventh season after getting an additional year of eligibility due to an injury. Just seeing things like this start to pop up, I'm I'm ready. I'm willing to admit now I'm ready to move on past the COVID bonus year and get back to 
it's never going to be normal for what we may have thought from before COVID, but yeah. at least get back to – I'm tired of seeing 25-year-olds out there on the football field against 18- and 19-year-olds. I'm ready to get back to seeing guys that are four years, maybe five years. I'm tired of seeing these sixth, seventh, and we even had a couple eight, eighth-year players. That's about it. Otherwise, a couple good pickups for Shane Beamer and the Gamecocks, and um, I think they still have to fill a lot of holes there. There's still some question marks, especially – with the departures of players in certain position groups, one that's glaring as the linebacker group, as you as we talked about a lot last night. Mm-hmm. But eager to see what uh, what Beamer and company are able to do via the portal to bring some players in. Also eager to see if uh, if Dabo Sweeney is able to maybe plug any gaps in his in his uh, roster as well, trying to snag a couple players, or if he'll continue to kind of maybe not take maybe maybe kind of have one toe in, one toe out of the portal, as you've made it a good point to to show at times as well. Just kind of toy, kind of toy yeah. with the idea of doing something in the portal. So a couple of quick notes, and then we'll get to your phone calls. 888-898-2525, the number. A couple of other notes. Oklahoma and defensive coordinator Ted Roof have parted company, have parted ways. Uh, Roof, of course, former head coach at Georgia Tech. Spent a little time as an analyst at Clemson. Moving the chains, that is a, 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 uh, a site on X that we follow covering high school football in South Carolina reported that Lawrence is expected to hire Greg Porter as their head coach. According to sources, he's been the head coach at Greenville the past five seasons. Now he, uh, Pete Yannity from uh, channel seven up in uh, Spartanburg. Uh, and he and I talked about this and he reached out to Porter and got a response of uh, nothing yet, nothing yet. Uh, as he said, can't put out the fires, is how he put it. So this was a couple of hours ago, but uh, apparently, possibly, uh, that is happening. Maybe our, our buddy Doug Holliday in Lawrence, or somebody listening to us in Lawrence from our affiliate, WLBG, will have further news on this and will be uh, kind enough to share it with us. Uh, baseball, you know, baseball is right around the corner. Gamecocks outfielder Ethan Petrie named the first team. Clemson center fielder Cam Canarella, Coastal Carolina catcher Derek Bender, named the second team, and USC catcher Cole Messina, named the third team of the perfect game preseason All-American team. What's interesting on that team is that their preseason pitcher of the year and their preseason hitter of the year, they are both from Wake Forest. So Wake Forest must be, uh, must be loaded for bear because they were really good last season, and they must be really, really good again for this coming season. The preseason player of the year, Nick Kurtz from Wake Forest, and their preseason pitch of the year is Chase Burns from Wake Forest. So ACC, look out for the Demon Deacons uh, this coming season. Okay, and what else I want to tell you real quick? Oh, NCAA announced today that it has inked an eight-year, $920 million deal with ESPN for 40 championships, including women's basketball. That's $115 million per year, and women's basketball will be valued at about $65 million. This deal is viewed as a win for the NCAA, considering where things are in TV negotiations. So ESPN signing an eight-year deal with the NCAA, $920 million for coverage of their championships 
over the next eight years for the meteorites of 40 NCAA championships. So this is this will be good. This will be good for a lot of sports, women's basketball, volleyball, gym, FCS football, and, uh, and other things. So there you go. ESPN just printing, printing your money, and the NCAA and the college is more than happy to take it. Phil, one more note I might add before we move on to the callers, and I am circling back a bit to the USC men's basketball team. And in particular, one thing that stood out to me from what Coach Paris said was, and I apologize if I mispronounce this name, but the freshman from Helsinki, Finland, Morris Ugusik, Ugusik? Ugasak. Ugasak. Morris Ugasak. Sorry about that, bud. Um, or something like that. Sure. Well, I saw Coach Paris had nothing but great things to say about the young man, and he was one of, what, four or five Gamecocks who were in double figures the other day against Florida A&M. Take it with a grain of salt. It was an overmatched opponent. But still, he played 20 minutes in that game. He had 11 points. He was uh, three assist, or 50% from the field, 60% from three, 100% from the free throw line. And Coach Paris had really good things to say about him, saying, quote, I've been really impressed. We felt as a staff that he had that in him. This is why his intent was to come in red shirt. It was our intent, too. We had all gotten together for this plan, but he was ahead. Not only was he ahead, you could see the capacity he had for growth, short-term growth. And what stands out to me about that is this is a young man that came in with the expectation, both from the player's perspective and the coaching staff's perspective, to sit out a year, essentially admitting that he needed a bit of year of growth, maybe before actually seeing the court, and you don't want to burn that year of eligibility. But the fact that he has impressed them that much, where he is now not only seeing game time, but he's seeing pretty important game time, that makes me think that he will actually get to be on the court and part of the rotation, but perhaps for SEC play, And one of the things about Lamont Paris that we don't really know yet, and correct me if I'm wrong, is his ability to develop players. Because thus far in his first two years in Columbia, he has had to rely very heavily on the transfer portal and bring in transfer players. One of the the big obvious name of somebody that was not in the portal last year was Gigi Jackson. Now, you could make any kind of argument you want about whether he actually developed throughout the season or maybe he was kind of stagnant or whatever, and that's not my intent of of saying this, but mainly just that... I'm impressed with this young man, but also with Coach Paris and the way that he is developing this player. And this might be a good sign for Gamecock fans out there for the future when maybe Coach Paris is not relying as much on the portal, but instead actually getting more of, quote-unquote, his guys into the system. And you want to be able to see him him get these guys to grow into a player they can become. Absolutely. That's what you like to see. And, of course, they've got another player from Finland coming in in the 2024 class, a, a big guy who they're very excited about as well. Okay, let's take some phone calls. 888-898-2525. We go to Keith in Camden, up first tonight here on Sports Talk. And, Keith, good to have you with us. If we haven't said it already to you, Happy New Year. Happy New Year to y'all. Uh, <coughs> Pat, do me a favor. Leave me on because on the radio channel, uh, they've got the uh, coaches show, but a comment, Phil, and then I want you two to make a comment on it on the uh, offensive, uh, the running back coach. Uh, I think you know we look what three four years. It's a good body of work, but I don't know that. I, I think you you do have to put some some of the accountability in his lap, but I think that spread across the whole coaching staff because most of these guys recruit region and from day one Beamer hadn't been able to get a running back and uh 
I'll just go back and, and, and make this comment and then hang up and not hang up, but listen to you guys. Mm-hmm. You go back and you look. Um, I, I, I think Beamer's a great guy, very energetic. But this just goes back to Tanner. Uh, uh, until we get down the road, uh, we're not sure what we've got. That's held true in baseball, basketball, and continues in football. So uh, the observation is wait and see. But it's realistic. We could be in a 16-team conference. We'll be battling to be 12th or 13th. Uh, and the reality is we don't know yet. So I'm not going to uh, hold anybody up on a pedestal or throw them in the dumpster. Hmm. But uh, – I don't know that the future is uh, that optimistic, but well, I enjoy I enjoy uh, listening to y'all every night and all the other callers. And y'all have a good evening. Leave me on, Pat, so I can hear. All right, Melissa, we want you to go get that Chief Sports app. Keith, you're smart enough to handle that. Go to your Apple Store or your Play Store and download the Chief Sports app, C-H-I-E-F Sports. It's free. And it gives you sports talk right there at your fingertips, no matter where you are. I know sometimes we get bumped by things, and it's understandable. But if you want to stay with us and listen to this show, that's a great way to do it. Or you can get the feed off of our Twitter or off of our Facebook or off of our website. But the Chief Sports app makes it very simple for you right there in your phone. Go download it. <laughs> now, um, the question is, And you're right, it's going to be a 16-team league that only got tougher with Oklahoma and Texas. And in this free-for-all spending economy that we have now in the college world, I mean, look, you know, the heavy hitters are going to be the heavy hitters. But they're going to lose players, but they're going to go out and get players. And, I mean, no knock on anybody, but, you know, Alabama's not going to replace their starting center by going to, and taking a, a, a player from the MEAC, you know. Not that those players can't become good players. Don't get me wrong, okay? Um, they can be developed, and you might get fortunate and hit on one every once in a while. But they're going to go find a player from Ohio State or Oklahoma or Southern Cal or whatever, or somebody that they've developed within their own program because they're losing their starting center to – to transfer. They're losing a handful of players to transfer. But those teams are ordinarily going out and getting other highly rated uh, when I say highly rated, I mean uh, players coming from other elite programs uh, for the most part. There's exception here and there, but for the most part they're replenishing with other players who are at high major programs, very successful programs. Um, you know, South Carolina went and got Spencer Rattler from Oklahoma. It turned out to be be a great one for him. Uh, they got Juice Wells from a FCS program at the time, James Madison. That was right before they moved up to FBS, and he turned out to be, Juice Wells turned out to be a heck of a player for them for one year. But then again, can you make a living off of taking transfers from FCS-level programs, uh, from the MEAC, from the Ivy League, from, um, from the Sun Belt, et cetera? Can you survive in the SEC? That's what you have to think about. Can you win in the SEC with these players that you're taking? Um, And so how are you going to judge Beamer moving forward? I mean, he might be doing all kind of great things for South Carolina, building the culture, building the foundation, 
um, putting things in place that need to be put in place, doing things the right way within the current structure of college sports. But the road is is loaded with bombs. I mean, just we've gone over the schedule. It's ridiculous. Was it you and you and me talking, Pat, where we said like half of their schedule could very well end up in the playoffs next year? Yeah, the other night, just real quick, going through the 12 games, we agreed LSU, Ole Miss, Alabama, Oklahoma, Missouri, and Clemson all had realistic shots at making the college football playoff next year. Because, again, remember, next year will be the inception of the 12-year playoff. So that's half your schedule we think has a realistic chance at uh, at least competing for, for a playoff spot. It's crazy. That's crazy for a team like like South Carolina, you know. Um, and so how much – I mean, how much do you blame Beamer if the Gamecocks have a losing record again next year? Um, or if they only go 6-6 six and six or – we're barely over that seven and five, but go to a minor bowl. Be back after the break. We're back on Sports Talk, Sports Talk Media Network. Phil Cornblute, Pat Daniel, and Chris Bergen. I think Chris might be joining us a little bit after seven. He's out in Texas. For basketball tonight, Coastal Carolina and uh, Texas State as the Shauna Clares go back on the road to continue with their Sunbelt Conference slate after losing their opener in the league to Troy the other night. Uh, what else we have in basketball tonight around the state besides South Carolina's women playing down in Gainesville, Coastal Carolina playing out there at uh, Texas State's. And also tonight we've got uh, the College of Charleston playing at Hofstra. So three games tonight, USC women at Florida, College of Charleston at Hofstra, and Coastal Carolina at uh, Texas State. And let me see if we have anything else of interest uh, on the schedule tonight. Had a bunch of ACC games yesterday and Tuesday. Had nothing tonight there, nothing in the SEC as they're getting ready for league play to uh, commence. All right, uh, 888-898-2525. South Carolina Education Lottery, lucky number. Quick reminder, with, uh, you know, the days are starting to get a little bit longer. Can you see it? You know how I know that is because my right in in the afternoon from the northeast side of Columbia, the the sun now is starting to hit me in the eyes again not quite but it's almost there when i come down two notch road heading towards i-20 that's my gauge when it gets uh you know into december in the shorter days i don't have that problem but now the sun's starting to rise up in the or still be there in the late afternoon so the days are starting to get a little bit longer we're starting to think about spring and summer obviously doesn't take us long here in south carolina to start thinking about those days we want those days back so quickly so you need to act quickly yourself and make your plans for your spring-summer getaway at the beach. And for that, you may, you want to make that phone call to Jimmy Smith at James Smith Real Estate down in Pawleys Island. They have got uh, their hands on all kinds of properties up and down the beach. And whatever you're looking for, large or small, they can find it for you. But you better act quickly because what you're looking for could be taken up and you'll be left standing holding the bag. 843-237-4246, pauliesvacationrentals.com. Let them help you out and let them get your plans set for vacation time. 
843-237-4246, your perfect beach getaway, pauliesvacationrentals.com. Okay, back to the phones we go. 888-898-2525. Let's go to, well, his friends and family call him Triple T. The rest of us call him ABM for the angry black man. That's just you. Welcome in, <laughs> Oliver. How are you? Good to have you with us. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you, Phil. You know, first of all, I wish they had uh, the six year when Ture was there because, you know, mm. although Ture would have played six years, he still only would have been 22 uh, when he graduated because he graduated high school at 17. As I'm saying this, so he'd have been he'd have been 22 when he graduated. Still, and the other guys who stayed, you know, forever in high school, you know, and everything. I might have. You know, I if, call- if if he had gotten a six year, I might have voted for him for the Heisman that year. Nah, you didn't have to. He he would have a great year, but you know it, it wasn't meant to be. Mm. Uh, what I'm calling for, oh Clemson. Christmas came early for Clemson in 2024. Shifley is leaving. I'm glad he's gone. I'm glad he's gone. And, and I'm telling all Clemson fans, they said Shifley going to go in the seventh round. Shifley might be Mr. Irrelevant or he might be a free agent. He's, he would not make it in the in NFL as a running back. He might be uh, a slot receiver, but he don't have good hands. And also, if Dab- if Clemson would have lost that game, Dabo would have had a long winner. You're going to run shiftly with third and one, and you got Moffitt. You're trying to elevate his stats. You know, look here. You got to have it, and he don't have it. I hate to say it. You know what I'm saying? is mm-hmm. Like I said, mm-hmm. in any other school, he would not be a Division One. He, he wouldn't make an SEC in, in, for one week. They would knock him out of the SEC. So, like I said, now you, know, you don't think Tigers. you you don't you don't think I look at Shipley and I see a guy with talent. I see a guy with incredible moves, uh, a big heart, plays hard, uh, puts his foot in the dirt, can turn it upfield, hit the hit a seam, take off. Now maybe he doesn't have blazing speed, but he's fast enough. Heck, he had about a thousand yards in kickoff returns in his career. Uh, I mean, I mean, I know you you have your rationale, but I think Shipley's a pretty good athlete and a pretty good player. You can call it what you want to call it, man. Like I said, he ain't gonna make it in the NFL as a running back, and he and he's not five eleven. The boy's five eight, a hundred and eighty pounds. But you know how you put it up there. But kudos to him. I, I'm glad he's gone. I'm saying, look at go Tigers. I'm always be. I'm not gonna say what Clemson fan want to hear. I'm, I'm gonna speak the truth, hmm. and that's what it what is. What kind of year but do like you I think? Said, do you think Moffa's gonna stay now? And what kind of year do you think he'll have in 24? Hey man, just run him and you'll see. I can't predict it. Just listen. Just give him the ball and let you'll see what happens, brother. Hmm. Go Tigers! Like All I right. said. Thank you. Thank you very much. Triple T ABM. Appreciate the phone call. What do you think, Pat? I mean, is Clemson? They, uh, you're not better off without Will Shipley, are you? Is this addition by subtraction? No. No, I'd have a hard time thinking through that. I mean, this is a guy that has just under three thousand yards in three years. He averaged north of five yards a carry, and to say he doesn't have good hands, I mean, he has eighty-five receptions for six hundred and two yards, two touchdowns. 
He had some drops, though, along the way. We'll give him that. So that is something he'll need to work on. I feel like he was pretty strong in pass protection, though, especially for not necessarily a, a big back. I mean, he's he's not, I want to say undersized either, but for kind of an average size running back, power five at least, size running back. Now, whether this will be addition by subtraction, I am excited, I will admit, to see Phil Maffa get, get, the, get the reins. The only concern there is the durability. It's it's always nice to have a one-two punch, especially with both guys being upperclassmen, both guys being good in pass pro, both guys having developed hands in the receiving game at that point. And as you mentioned, the fact that Shipley is so electric in the return game. I mean, that that play that he got injured on was one, he was what, one broken tackle away from running that back to the house? Mm-hmm. I mean, that was a 50-plus yep. yard return right mm-hmm. there mm-hmm. just with an unfortunate injury on that last step out of bounds. Still thrilled to hear that it wasn't uh, anything structural. But but I still point back to it, and we can play this back in a year. I'm very, very excited with what I saw this year from Jay Haynes in limited action. I really do think that he is going to surprise a lot of people out there and make some noise next year. So maybe a little bit of this. We talked about did Shipley maybe get a little concerned from the injury, like, hey, I don't want to risk that. I better just move on. Maybe that played a, a role. But I also think it's worth asking whether he looked at the talent in the running back room and thought maybe I'm not going to get as many carries next year as I got this year, so this might be the best year statistically for me to leave. Well, we're going to find out. Um, Clemson certainly needs Moffa to be the guy. They need Moffa to stay. You like Jay Haynes off the little bit you've seen of him. I don't know. Um, I don't know about any of the others. We haven't seen them enough to really know. I know that Clemson would be pretty concerned if they lose Moffa, which yes. I see no reason why Moffa would now up and leave unless somebody comes to him and says, hey, man, off that performance in the Gator Bowl, the, the league now is all – you're the buzz around the NFL and you can you might be a second, third-round pick. And, you know, running backs, their shelf life is not the greatest. You better jump on it now, blah, blah, blah. Um I don't know. They better hope he stays, and to this point, there's no indication that he's not. All right, back to the phones, 888-898-2525. We go to um, Hank. Oh, I know know exactly. I don't even even have to put you on the air to know what you're going to say. But, Hank, welcome in in Columbia. Go ahead and say it anyway. Yeah. I'm I'm going to talk to you about you don't know what I'm going to say. I know exactly. <laughs> but, uh, You're going to challenge well, me what? on my comments about the USC women's 63% free throw shooting and how that could be an issue. Oh no 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 no! It could be an issue if it got down to a close game. Free throw shooting always can be an issue if you get down to a close game. I mean I don't I don't I don't con- concern myself as much with it because you know a number of the girls that you named that had um, the better shooting percentages because this team is so balanced. Mm-hmm. In a late-game situation, she would just have them on the floor. They've already been on the floor in those road games in North Carolina. So it's it's a lot more controllable. <laughs> you know, one yep. being the biggest that you mentioned was Cardoza, who if you got the foul and you get it to her, she holds it up. She ain't got to pass it away. They're just going to have to slap at her. <laughs> mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, but that's not what I was going to say. Mm. I was calling to tell you not to stop. you got to stop being a snob. You, I, I talked to one of your this one of your um, I talked to one of your um, colleagues before about this a year ago, two years ago, and I said you always got you got to be careful when you say 
uh, a team wouldn't go get a MEAC offensive line center <laughs> if you were up there in the grades. Mm-hmm. Because when this portal started happening a couple of years ago, the first thing that he commented was about um, Carolina getting uh, a Juice Wells from James Madison and a Debo Williams from uh, Delaware, wherever he came from. Georgia State. And a Jalen and a Jalen Foster from um, yeah, Jalen Foster from Tarleton Delaware, State. Delaware must have been Tarleton, Tarleton State. State. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. And he talked about that. Okay. And then Foster came in and was not only an All-SEC player, he was an All-American. <laughs> Juice Wells came in. And so I told him, I said, you know, the guy that you – the center that's coming from the Central, I actually know of him really well. And he was not only just the center from Central, he was the MEAC Offensive Lineman of the Year. Mm-hmm. And, but he's one of those guys for the last three years, and he's been doing it for two or three years. He's one of those guys that just counted like this. How foolish would it sound right now, Thorne, for if the portal was open back then and Dar- Shaq Darius Leonard from State decided he was going to transfer to USC or Clemson, how would it be easier for to say, well, they're not taking the portal seriously because they're going to take a, uh, you know, I mean, you can get a linebacker from Nebraska or you can get a linebacker from, I, I don't know, Florida mm-hmm. or whatever, and they, and they got a transfer from South Carolina State. You see, you got to always remember. Mm-hmm. When you look, like I told this guy, you got to trust in the type of transfers they brought in and what some of them will come out of because I watched the draft this year. And as much as we like to talk about the Alabamas and Nebraskas and talk about, well, this, you know, if you get one from them, it, all, it automatically makes it right. Uh, you, when you, there are guys for some re- whatever reason, like Darius Leonard said, Wanted to go to Clemson. They said, oh, yeah, we think you're too small to be a linebacker. <laughs> we don't think you, you, you're long or big enough. We don't think you'll grow into this or whatever. These, there are guys out there that would be this guy, and this guy uh, with his the awards and what he's, he's been as the FCS All-American, I'm not saying he's going to be great. I'm not even saying he's going to start from us. But I'm just saying the perception to look at some of these guys, you got to really look at their pedigree because every year in the draft, you saw one of the top corners in the draft a couple of years ago came from North Carolina um, A&T. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Well, I just, I just I, say I, you don't be a small, don't be a little FCS snob because know, they're not talking I about know. Juice Wells that way at Ole Miss. They're saying I know. Juice Wells from South Carolina, the first team all SEC. We got it. I know. <laughs> I know, Hank. I know. But listen, maybe I should have. And I did cite – if you were listening to me, I did cite a Juice Wells as an exception, and I did cite um, Jalen Foster. I didn't go that far back. Um, I'm only been talking. That's only a couple of years but, ago. Well, that was before Jalen Foster was a true transfer, he right? Was a that, transfer. That wasn't a portal yeah, thing. They didn't have the portal. But yeah, here, here's you. Can you win in the SEC along the line of scrimmage with transfers? from low-level programs who might have been very good in their programs, in their league. But, I mean, look, South Carolina's got a player in from Furman. He's a very good player at Furman. Uh If you take him, you've got the kid coming from North Carolina Central now. I mean, these guys, you're going to plug them into your line. Maybe they – I'm saying saying maybe they will be, but I just look at, like, Gargiulo I thought was pretty much overmatched. 
against SEC mm-hmm. defensive linemen. I mean, he could stand yeah. them up. He couldn't move them. He could stand them up. Mm-hmm. Couldn't move them. Look, yeah. the, the offensive line last year gave up 41, uh, 48 sacks. So, mm-hmm. and, they, and they produced a running game that averaged 85 yards uh, a game. Pretty bad. Yep. Um, yeah, but it was, and a, it was that was a combination. I think got your guy fired, Dukorn. So, so that was what you took. You took. You took. That was a combination that got your guy fired. I think you have. You had a combination of you trying to start off the year with a guy converted a uh, converted three time player running back because you well, I know I, there was a lot of and things a, that and went a into line. There, things that went into it. That's right. Um, but again, and bad uh, perimeter blocking. I, I, I'm just saying, look at what the you know the top schools are doing with their linemen and who they're getting on their line. Mm-hmm. And I think South Carolina, these guys might turn out. They might be able to step uh, play up and play at a very high level, or they could be a miss. They could be a bust, and they could well, be that, right back where they were. The last... And you got to think about this. you got some good high school players coming in. You don't want to yep. slow down their progress by them not getting snaps behind some transfer guys that are just average players. Yeah. But, but this is what I'll say about this coin, like the guy from Central. You're talking about a three-time starter, three-time, two-time FCS All-American, and and twice MEAC uh, linebacker of the year. Okay, so you get a guy coming like that. You put around some of the young guys that in our line that played last year, you, and, and some of these guys that are coming in, one of the biggest issues that we found out with some of our line that came last year and the year before is that when you have to play them too soon, that's what they look like. If you think, remember, Christian Miller didn't hit the field for Alabama to his third year. And most of those players on the line for Alabama don't hit the, hit the field until their third year. We we're unfortunately don't recruit that well, so we get guys in here, and we're trying to make them these people in their first year here. Mm-hmm. And some of them get through, but how many kids have we seen get their confidence killed by play, having to play too early? Well, oh, we got to run, Hank. Thank you. But I tell you what, in today's world, if you don't play them, you lose them. If you don't play them, you lose them. You might as well play them because there's no guarantee you're going to have them after the one year. Uh, you know, like Pup Howard. I mean, that looked like everything that you would want from a recruiting standpoint when he signed. Long-lasting love. It lasted – oh, by the way, he committed to Florida today. <laughs> so he 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 decommitted – I'm sorry, he, he hit the transfer portal yesterday, day before. And now he's committed to Florida. So you ain't tampering, you ain't trying. Exactly. You don't think there was something going on before he got into the portal? That's the new motto of the portal right there. So you better play them because there ain't a guarantee there's going to be around for their second year. We got to run to the break and we'll be back. Uh, And I think Bergie's going to be with us here shortly as well from out in Texas. So we'll welcome him in. Continue with your phone calls. Uh, Mike Morgan at uh, 705. Got some Lamont Paris coming your way as well. Some uh, Brad Brownell from last night. Some good stuff from him. Be right back. The lottery is not about getting rich. It's about helping people. And it always has been. The lottery is what helped raise the Great Wall of China, build the roads of Rome, and today in South Carolina, it's what generates millions of dollars each year for scholarships like the SC Hope, Life, and Palmetto Fellows. The South Carolina Education Lottery is investing in you. Visit sceducationlottery.com slash better you to learn more.
I'm attorney Jim Corbett. That's the sound of a big hit on you and your car or truck. I've been an attorney for more than 30 years, helping people who get injured in car wrecks and truck wrecks. If you have serious injuries, call Jim Corbett, 803-765-2968, or email me at jim at jimcorbettattorney.com. That's C-O-R-B-E-T-T. I don't get paid unless I recover for you. Jim Corbett Attorney, for your best recovery from a big hit, 803-765-2968, or jim at jimcorbettattorney.com. Last year was a big year for Founders Federal Credit Union and our amazing members. A total of $30 million was given back to qualifying members in the form of loyalty bonus dividends, proving once again that it pays to be a Founders member. Founders is also committed to pouring time and resources into the local communities we serve. If you aren't a member yet, what are you waiting for? Join Founders today. Visit foundersfcu.com. Federally insured by NCUA. Membership qualification required. You've put in the work for your education. The extra early, extra late, extra, extra work. That's because you understand education opens doors to better pay, better opportunities, and a better you. Being educated about playing the lottery is no different. It helps you be a better player, one who knows when to play and when to take a rain check. The lottery's a game, so let's keep it fun. Learn more at sceducationlottery.com slash better you. Touchstone Energy Cooperative members save more, more on electricity, and members save more on insurance, groceries, health care, restaurants, travel, concerts, and sporting events through co-op connections. Touchstone Energy is an alliance of the member-owned electric cooperatives, and as a member, the power is yours. Experience the power of co-op membership with Touchstone Energy and find out how much you can save on electricity and a whole lot more at touchstoneenergy.com. All right, welcome back, everybody. Good to have you with us here. Big Thursday, big Thursday night on uh, Sports Talk. Phil Kornblut, Pat Daniel here at our Columbia Studios. And out in Texas, the always traveling, always on the move from the coast of South Carolina to Hawaii, uh, back to the coast of South Carolina, now out into Texas, soon to be in Louisiana. Chris Bergen on the move. You stole the... um, the, the name from Mike Morgan on the move is Chris Bergen on the move. I was thinking the exact same thing, Phil. Move over, Mike. I'm as <laughs> traveled as you are, my friend. Well, how is Gotta everything out in guys. Texas, huh? How's everything out there? Oh, it's cold and, and overcast. Rained uh, us coming in on Tuesday. We flew into Houston, just miserable weather. And I'm not a big fan of turbulence. And, boy, it was like a roller coaster trying to touch down. And then we uh, left Houston, flew into Austin, same same deal. So the flights from our, our travel agent needs a little work. We went from Myrtle Beach to Nashville to Houston to Austin and the bus down here to San Marcos. So not the most direct route, but we're here and looking forward to what should be a pretty decent game between two teams that desperately need a win, especially Coastal. They've lost four in a row, but had an interesting outing yesterday for the team. Actually took them to the movies and saw the uh, movie based on the Von Erich wrestling family, the Iron Claw. 
And, Phil, I have to say, of all the times, and I'm not a big movie guy, mm-hmm. but of all the theaters I've been in, I'm not sure I've ever been in one that was nicer than the one we went in yesterday. It had reclining seats, almost like Lazy Boy recliners. You could order concessions, popcorn, drinks, whatever, from your phone, from your seat, and they would deliver it to you. The only reason you ever had to get up during the movie was to go to the bathroom. No. That's what I call it was amazing. the life. That is the life. And um, it sounds like the team had a good time getting out there, but now can they uh, turn that into a win? What's this Texas State team going to have for them tonight? Texas State is 6-7. Uh, and seven. They're coming off back-to-back losses in games they, quite frankly, probably should have lost to Houston and also James Madison. So their last week has been rough. And so they're back at home for just their fourth home game, so I'm sure they're excited. There won't be many people here, first off, the record, and secondly, their students are still not due back for about two weeks, so it should be a fairly empty Strawn Arena here this evening for the uh, ball game. But Texas State's got one of the uh, top shot blockers in the country in Brandon Love. He's a kid who is second in the Sun Belt and 12th nationally with a guy you may have heard of. He's tied with Zach Eady with 32 block shots on the season. So as Coastal likes to penetrate and, and dish it inside, he will present some major problems. On the flip side, for Coastal, we've got John Oshiako shooting 70% from the field right now during the season. And his last three games, he's shooting over 80% from the floor. And that 70% field goal percentage ranks him second nationally and number one, obviously, in the Sun Belt. So should be an interesting matchup inside between the two teams. Coastal struggles have been at the free throw line where they've just been miserable this year. So if the game is close, that you would think might favor Texas State because Coastal has really struggled shooting free throws, barely above 60% and in the bottom half of the nation in terms of D1 basketball. Well, you hang on, and we got Mike Morgan coming up, so you can chime in on that. And uh, we've got other things coming up as well in the second hour, including uh, Lamont Paris, Brad Brownell, the recruiting report, more phone calls as you take off of your game. We'll be back after this top-of-the-hour break. Welcome back to Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. You can reach the guys with the South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number, 888-898-2525. That's 888-898-2525. Now back to Phil, Chris, and Pat with the second hour of Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. All right, we're back. Big Thursday night here on Sports Talk. Sports Talk uh, Media Network. And more of your phone calls are coming up. Uh, Phone number 888-898-2525. South Carolina Education Lottery Lucky Number. Phil Kornblut and Pat Daniel here in Columbia. And we have our man Chris Bergen out in uh, San Marcos, Texas. And again, uh, you've been to Hawaii and you live on the coast of South Carolina and now you're on the Gulf Coast of Texas, correct? Not quite. Uh, east of, or actually west of the Gulf Coast. I'll be closer after tonight when we spend the night in Houston. We're probably, I don't know, three hours off the Gulf, but in that general vicinity, uh, San Marcos is actually sandwiched in between Austin and San Antonio in sort of central east Texas, mm. if you're looking for geographic location here in the state. Mm. Keep in mind, Texas, considering how long and wide this state is, you can be on the eastern side and still have miles and miles and miles and miles to go before you get to the western border. But in terms of the Gulf, we're about three hours away over here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was kind of saying that tongue-in-cheek because I've 
San Marcos just sounds like one of those places in Texas that would be on the Gulf Coast down there, and you would have your uh, your toes in the sand like you'd like to send us those pictures poolside <laughs> at the Sorry beach. Sorry about that. Well, here's the other fun thing. Even though it's spelled like Marcos, it's actually pronounced here in Texas as Marcus, like M-A-R-C-U-S, because that's the way Texans roll. Everything that you would think the way it's spelled would be pronounced that way is exactly different. Sort of like, you know, Buford and Beaufort in, in South Carolina, North Carolina, Clinton and Clinton in South Carolina, North Carolina. Texas has those sort of inconsistencies as well. Well, it's pronounced the way the people want it pronounced, you know? That's and right. So, that's exactly right. That's all good. Okay. So uh, let me mention this, and we'll get back into this because our first hour we were hot with the phone calls and we were talking about the transfers, and I was just talking about, well, there's transfers and there's transfers. For example, Alabama's taken three transfers so far. Damani Jackson from Southern Cal, LT Overton from A&M, and Naquil Betrand and he is from Texas A&M. So my point was, those schools, they plunk top talent from other schools at the same level. They don't have the big drop-off. When they lose a guy, they get someone of equal or better value. And all I'm saying, if you're taking a bunch of, especially linemen, you might find some receivers and corners, that safeties that'll work out for you, maybe a running back. But linemen in particular, you 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 – you put a bunch of, you know, FCS-level linemen in there, MEAC, Ivy, SOCON, whatever, not saying they can't emerge and become great players individually. They just might. But I, I still say it's um, it's a cross-your-fingers-and-hope kind of thing that you hit on somebody who might emerge and become a terrific player. Again, a big step up from, from those schools that they've been playing versus playing this SEC schedule that South Carolina is going to be facing week in and week out. With that said, let's welcome in Mike Morgan for an edition of Morgan on the Move, the first one of 2024. As Mike joins us now, brought to you by State Farm agent Gary Patterson. And for 35 years, Gary has been serving the real estate needs from Lugolf to Lexington, Columbia to Blythewood. Auto home life insurance, business insurance can all be handled by Gary. When he isn't refereeing ACC football games, he is spending countless hours helping South Carolinians with all their insurance needs and making a difference in the community. Go out and check GaryPatterson.net today. And Gary will go over the best plans for you and your family. That's GaryPatterson.net. Sponsored by Love Chevrolet. No hassles, no all-day runarounds, no ridiculous add-on stickers. At Love Chevy, buying a car is fun. South Carolina's number one volume Chevy dealer. I-26 at Harbison and at lovechevy.com. Find new roads. All right, Mike Morgan. Morgan on the move, joining us here on Sports Talk. And Mike's got a busy weekend coming up. We know he's got basketball around the corner. Still doing some NFL stuff as we go to the playoffs here very soon. He's got the Jags and the Titans coming up on Sunday, the winner clinching the AFC South. I wish they'd have put you on the Bears and the Packers. Now that's gonna be that's gonna be the game uh-huh. of the day up at Lambeau, huh? Uh yeah, it is. If you want to know where the Bears are gonna draft, are they gonna get the uh number one pick, the number two pick? <laughs> Well, I'm going to say this. Pick? I'm going to say this. The Packers, as you know, I I follow the Packers. You might you might not be aware. I do. Yeah, I am aware. Yeah. So, in fact, I'm such a big Packer fan 
instead of using deodorant, I use block cheese for my deodorant. Boom, boom. Well, that would explain a lot. <laughs> Thought I, I smelled popcorn. I, I used some green onion this morning, as a matter of fact. And remember, uh, Mike, too, the uh, the Bears, unfortunately, for Panthers fans out there, the Bears have already clinched the number one pick with the Panthers now being at 2-14. and 14. So now it'll just be whether the Bears pick, yeah, where their second pick is. And right now they're slated at number 10. So they have two top 10 picks as of now. But what I was going to say is uh, the Packers were in this very same spot with the great Aaron Rodgers last year. Beat the Lions, make the playoffs at home. And what did the Lions do? Came in and trounced them. So the Packers have got to be very aware and very wary of an improving Bears team that's been playing some pretty good football here of late. So I'm I'm concerned. I don't take the, – the aura of, of Lambeau Field seems to have worn off over the last few years where teams don't come in there just fearful of playing the Packers and just lose because they're playing on the frozen tundra, which is seldom frozen anymore anyway. So, uh, Mike, let's talk about a couple things. First of all, thoughts on the bowl season by you, uh, thoughts on what happened in the semifinals uh, the other day and looking ahead to that national championship game. Well, you know, when they when they started the playoff uh, 10 years ago, this is what they hoped and envisioned, right? Two immensely entertaining semifinal games, four teams, clearly the best four, uh, with all due respect to a, a Florida State team without its star quarterback. Uh, and I think we're going to have a good final. We, we've yet to have, in 10 years of the 14 playoff format, both an entertaining round of semis and a competitive national championship game. Mm -hmm. So this will be the first time this will be the first, if this happens, if it comes to fruition the way I believe it will, uh, it'll be great. And no, I, I, I think it's fantastic. Um, you know, I, the Alabama game, which is one of the most highest rated college football uh, games of our lifetime. If you follow that kind of thing, uh, I mean, really, to me, that last drive came down to Michigan didn't fear Jalen Milrow at all, throwing the football, that is. And so it was. It became pretty uh, predictable. They, every time Milrow was looking up, it was a heavy box. You had at least a, an extra guy in there and usually five guys on the line. And they just said, Jalen, if you want to beat us throwing the football, be my guest, but we're not going to let you run all over us like you have some other teams. It's a great strategy. It's not that complicated, and on that last drive, even after the injury where, where Alabama had extra time to think about what that goal line play was going to be, did anybody have a doubt that it was going to be a run? Hmm. And for that matter, did we doubt that it was going to be Milrow on a run? So uh, kudos to Michigan, kudos to Harbaugh. He's the man with the black hat. Uh, everybody uh, likes to either pull for him or pull against him. Uh, don't know if he'll be around next year, but for the time being, he's got a chance to – close it out with a national championship yes he does and you're right about the entertaining factor of the two semis it was outstanding off the charts the tv ratings of course were excellent for the semifinals and they've been pretty good throughout the bowl season just tells you that people love college football despite all the the turmoil and the turnover uh, people are still into it now i think maybe gambling has something to do with these numbers we're just seeing some unbelievable television numbers now and with so many people able to gamble easily on the games, gamble during the game, gamble before a snap is made. I think that's added to the eyeballs watching this thing because they got money riding on it. I mean, well, there's no doubt about it. I mean, people, 
people when it comes to football are, are kind of like Phil Kornblut at the craps table in mm. Council Bluffs, Iowa during the College <laughs> World Series. Hey. I mean, you can't, hey. you can't peel them away. You can't peel them away. And so they they got to have some action. You, you, it's, it's midnight, <laughs> one in the morning, three in the morning. Who cares? With half uh, with, with half the baseball team, I'm not going to say which team, with half the baseball yeah. team in there. <laughs> right, half the baseball team in there. And it's like, yo, who needs a recruiting report? We'll get to that next month. I'm hot, baby. I'm hot. Uh, if only I had come up. If only I had been wise enough to come up with the formula to win at craps every time. Well, yes, you and millions of people have probably said that over the course of time. Of course, I thought I cracked the code on roulette, and then it turns out I did not. But yeah, anyway, yeah. Uh, enough about gambling losses and heartbreak and tragedy and scandalous decisions late at night in a town called Council Bluffs, Iowa. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, I I think gambling is certainly added to the whole thing. And as you noticed, I mean, all, all the networks now, they no longer shy away from it. The people that run college athletics that used to shun it have shied away from it. I mean, if Major League Baseball does what I think it's going to do, which is expand into Las Vegas, the city <laughs> that basically is responsible for Pete Rose, the all-time hits king, not being in the Hall of Fame, then, yeah, anything, all bets are off, uh, <laughs> pun intended. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, but, you know, in all seriousness, I mean, last year you had gambling, but Georgia TCU wasn't going to draw a number. And 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 for that matter, uh, TCU, Michigan was – I mean, this was the perfect storm. You, this is what college football and the TV networks want. They want two brand-name schools that are both really good and then throw in a little controversy, which always follows Jim Harbaugh, and that's the, that's the, the formula for a high rating. I don't know if you're going to get that every year, uh, even with the gamblers. Uh, but in a 12-team format, you usually should have some some really good games that'll have people tuned in. And uh, of all the things that are going wrong and chaotic with college athletics, I, I think we can at least rejoice in that. Mm-hmm. Mike Morgan, Morgan on the move here tonight on Sports Talk. And Mike, first off, I apologize for the background noise. I'm getting ready for coastal basketball here at Texas State, but sure. you brought up an interesting point about the uh, matchups and. How much did the playoff committee, considering the national championship, maybe they don't have rooting interest, but considering the national championship game is in Houston this year because we flew into Austin, Texas on Tuesday night with a lot of upset uh, Longhorn fans coming back from New Orleans. How disappointed do you think the national people are that it's not Michigan and Texas for the national title? You know, I, I, I'm sure there's a little bit of that. I mean, Texas is a huge uh, – Huge program with a mammoth alumni base, et cetera, et cetera. But I got to tell you, I mean, what, I worked with a guy for four years when I was with Fox, and he was a former defensive back at Washington, played in the NFL for years. And he used to say, Mike, you, you, you Southerners, you just don't understand. We love college football just as much up in the Pacific Northwest. We just don't get the publicity. And I kind of, you know, rolled my eyes a little bit. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I get it. It's a beautiful stadium. It's it's on a it's on a lake. Hmm. It's you got mountains. You got water. All beautiful stuff. But but really, how how much is that a college town versus a pro town? Because you've got the Seahawks. You used to have the SuperSonics. Uh, but make no mistake about it. Washington is a brand, and and the Pacific, the left coast uh, now more than ever. 
is clamoring for relevance, and, and they'll get behind this. There'll be a lot of eyeballs on this game, even though it's not Texas. So, yeah, I, I mean, we are – that's our familiar uh, southern bias, if you want to call it that, with Texas. We kind of consider that a deep south team, especially now they're going into the SEC. But uh, I think I think it's still a very intriguing matchup. I'll tell you who the, the, the winner is in all of this is Tony Petiti, the commissioner of the Big Ten. Because this is a de facto Big Ten championship game because Washington will be in the Big Ten next year. And, of course, Michigan's not leaving the Big Ten. So uh, with all the talk about this league and that league and expansion and migration, uh, here we have it. It's it's essentially a, a Big Ten championship game. And maybe this is what Big Ten fans can look forward to because, quite frankly, other than Michigan, Ohio State, and Penn State, who never wins the big game, they haven't had much to get behind. I mean, the Big Ten has not been a really good, deep league overall. But you add Washington and Oregon, uh, that's not a bad That's not a bad one-two punch because both those programs are riding pretty high right now. Mm-hmm. And I would imagine Michael Penix is going to bring a lot of eyeballs to that game as well, considering how well he played in the uh, semifinals, don't you think? No doubt, and I continue to be impressed by him. Um, you know, here's a guy that has torn up two knees and two shoulders. And that's really the only reason why he wasn't ranked more highly by NFL scouts coming into this year. But I would be surprised if he's not a first-round pick this year after what he's done. He throws a really pretty ball. He's insanely accurate with it. He's mobile enough, uh, and he's played in some pretty elaborate offenses, both at Indiana and now at Washington. So uh, I think the future is bright for that young man, and I think that that is the key matchup for me. I want to see how he and those three wide receivers that are incredibly talented, and oh, by the way, it wasn't Alabama or Georgia that won the Joe Moore Award. It wasn't Notre Dame. It was Washington for the best offensive line in college football. They won the award. So they can block pretty well, too. So that offense against Michigan's defense, to me, that's that's worth the price of admission. Hmm. Mike Morgan, Morgan on the move tonight here on Sports Talk. And, uh, Mike, one other quick question. I know Phil and Pat spent much of the first hour chatting about the transfer portal, and I think the situation with Alabama is really interesting, especially their center, Seth McLaughlin, who is in the transfer portal after, I don't think anybody could argue, he played poorly in the uh, semifinal loss to uh, Michigan. Do you think it's as much him not wanting to hang around the Alabama program anymore because of that game and maybe fans have turned on him, or does he honestly believe in your mind that he might find a better fit for him somewhere other than Alabama? No, I think you hit it on the head the first time. I think he wants to get out of Dodge. Mm. Um, and I don't think that's fair necessarily, but you know, nobody cares about fair mm. when it comes to college football hysteria. Mm. You're talking about a sport that you know, quarterbacks that have had bad games have gotten death threats in the past. Uh, here's a young man that on the biggest stage just could not snap the ball to the quarterback six, seven times. He put it on the carpet. That's It's just hard to, to – for to walk away from that and for fans to forget about that. And so it, while it doesn't seem justifiable for fans to like hold a grudge and just want to berate this kid, I, I think he's like the hell with this. I, I don't need it. I'll go somewhere else and get a fresh start. Turn your attention quickly to basketball because ACC play now well underway. Clemson losing at Miami last night. Miami shoots 75% in the second half. Brad Brownell not at all happy with the way his guys play defense. In fact, he made the comment that um, – oh, 
he made the comment <laughs> that his guys were too offensive-minded and not defensive-minded enough. He has said that before about one of his good teams that was scoring a lot of points but giving up a lot of points. So what did you think of that win by Miami? Were you more surprised that Clemson lost or more impressed with Miami winning, also considering that Miami was playing without one of their starting guards and that Nigel Pack had just come back off of injury himself? Well, look, the game was in Miami, correct? Correct. And Miami's a Final Four team a year ago with a lot of talent back and a really good coach. It's a road conference game. No, I'm not that surprised. I mean, obviously, the, the second half where they shot lights out and put up gaudy numbers, that's – I don't blame Brad Brownell for not being happy about it, and that's something you want to fix and be vocal about. But uh, it, it's road. It's a road game and conference play against a really good team that knows how to win. That, that to me, is not a great matchup for Clemson or anybody else in that league. I mean, it's that that's Miami is going to do that to some folks, and then – and when Miami goes on the road, if that game was at Little John tomorrow, I wouldn't be surprised if Clemson won it. Uh, it it's just home court advantage in conference play, in particular in the S- in the SEC, ACC, Big Twelve. Uh, it's pretty mammoth, and uh, that's just going to happen. I wouldn't make too much of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, what you really what you really have to worry about are the bad losses, home or away, or home losses in general. Uh, you want to defend your home court and. But Clemson's still got a, a, a good road ahead of them and a quality team that I'd be shocked if they didn't make the NCAA tournament. After a quarter, USC women up on Florida, 32-15. to 15. By the way, they are winning by an average of 41 points per game. Last thing, we'll let you go. Gamecocks open up at Missis- against Mississippi State at home. Saturday afternoon, 11-1 and one are the Gamecocks. And talking with Lamont Paris today, I mean, he, he feels like – the eleven and one record is pretty indicative of how good he feels this team is, and his players kind of believe they are an eleven and one team. What about this matchup with Mississippi State for them? What do they need to be concerned about? I think they're twelve and one, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think the Mississippi State matchup. I have had them. Uh, Mississippi State under Chris Jans. They are a defensive-minded team. They can get after you. They can make the game ugly, muck it up a bit. Now, I don't think they're the most explosive team offensively, but I will say this. I've got a healthy Tolu Smith now, so they're one of the best rebounding teams Carolina will face all year long. To me, that's one of the keys to that game. Can you can you keep it somewhat even on the glass? Because if you're minus 10, minus 11, real hard to win a basketball game that way, even if you shoot the ball well mm-hmm. at home. Uh, but I think it's an intriguing matchup, and when you look at the games ahead, it'd be a really good idea for the, for Carolina to win that one at home, get off to a 1-0 start, continue to feel good about yourself, and try to steal one on the road. But like I said before, try to hold court at home. Yeah, Mississippi State, number one defensive team in terms of scoring in the SEC. And I want to thank you, Mike, for correcting me. I always love being corrected. It's what I live for. I live for my <laughs> mistakes to be corrected. So thank you. The Gamecocks I, are twelve and one. Thank you for that. Yeah, I was going to let it fly. I, I didn't no, correct no, you. No. I just, I, I just kind of added that I no, think they had one more win. It's that boga mentality. You, you got that boga mentality going. That's all. <laughs> the word wrong never entered my vocabulary. I just. I just said, I think, as if I didn't know, mm. I think they're 12-1. and one. Yeah. Uh, But, no, that'll be a fun match. Hey, uh, 
you mentioned Clemson. I've got Trevor Lawrence and the Jags Sunday oh. in Nashville against the Titans. And the Jaguars need a win to clinch a playoff spot. Hopefully Trevor Lawrence will uh, be healthy enough to play. Of course, ETN in the backfield. It's a fun team to watch. I'm looking forward to, to calling that one. I haven't called a Jags game yet, so it'll be the first one. Well, if you get a chance to stand next to uh, Trevor Lawrence, take a close look at his facial features and tell me he doesn't look like a Greek god, okay? The No, I'm serious. That could be a little awkward. I, it is, but high bone structure. Look at the cheekbones, pretty, you know, okay. high cheekbones and the long. Now, he's cut his hair some. Maybe that's why uh-huh. he got hurt, you know, the old Samson story. Maybe that's why he got hurt. Yeah. But uh, very much in my eyes when I was at, uh, covering him at Clemson, very much Greek godlike to me. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll pass that along, and I'll say, I'll give him a, a gift basket of botanical oils, courtesy of Bill Corbett. <laughs> yeah, that's good. That's good. And maybe you can get me a get me a signed jock strap in return. <laughs> it sounds like you would enjoy that. I'll see what I can do. And Mike, while we're at it, one last thing with that: both starting quarterbacks in that game, Trevor Lawrence and Will Levis, started college back in 2018. Found an interesting stat earlier. A few. Uh, College players, including Washington starting quarterback Michael Penix Jr., also started their careers back in 2018. Mm. Okay, see, I might steal this one now. I might. This this sounds like a factoid I could use on the broadcast <laughs> and impress my analysts, impress the audience. Uh, and I will make sure to credit you and to uh, throw in a botanical <laughs> oil for you as well. Now, do you have to run that by your producer before it comes out of your mouth? No, no, it's not profane. It's not, uh, we don't need it. It's, it's, it's national radio. It's not TV. So I don't have to, you know, support a graphic or mm. set the producer up with a picture of the 2018 quarterback class. I don't have to do any of that. I just talk. And you do that well. Well, I try. Yeah. I, I try. But, yeah. you know, somebody's got to do it. Well, Happy New Year. Enjoy the game. Talk to you next week. Thank you, Mike. Guys, always enjoy it. Look forward to 2024 with you. Yes, sir. As always, Mike Morgan, Morgan on the move. Don't forget you can catch Mike with his pals on their show on the Chief Sports app uh, during the week. He's on there every so often, so adds to that show. Uh, And, Chris, we're going to bid you adieu so you can get to some Coastal Carolina basketball. We've got some uh, some football news on Coastal about uh, their schedule and about some recruiting as well. We'll get to coming up. All right, sounds good, guys. You enjoy, and I'll try and catch up with you tomorrow from he- uh, from Louisiana. Sounds good. Down Thanks, in the Chris, bayou. Down in the bayou. Going to the bayou? Y'all going down to the bayou? Down to the bayou. Down to the bayou. Okay. Thank you, Mike, and thank you, Chris. Appreciate that. Great stuff. Yeah, Mississippi State, very good defensively. So the Gamecocks, who shoot it pretty well. The Gamecocks are good defensively, too. In fact, these are the number one and number two. Am I reading this right? Number one and number two teams in the SEC in scoring defense. Should mean a low-scoring game Saturday. Be right back.
Back we are, Sports Talk, Sports Talk Media Network. Phil Cornblue, Pat Daniel, last night down in Miami, you heard Mike and us talking about it just a little while ago, Clemson losing to the uh, Hurricanes of Miami. Nothing to be ashamed of, losing down there, certainly. As he said, Miami's still a very good basketball team. And uh, Clemson going in with a lot of hope, but they fall 95-82. to Again, Miami shooting the lights out in the second half. Their numbers were uh, pretty impressive in the second half as they shoot 75%. That's 21 of 28, 14 of 15 from the foul line. And they beat the Tigers uh, kind of going away there in the second half. Here is Clemson coach Brad Brownell, his comments on a Zoom with media back in South Carolina. He had some media there in Miami as well. Here he is talking about that loss. Congratulations to Miami. Played an incredible second half. Um, disappointed in our performance, obviously, the last 20 minutes. I mean, we were – that's maybe as bad a defensive half as I've had as a coach. And, uh, you know, we just didn't do any of the things that we wanted to. Had a hard time keeping the ball in front. Um, their shot making was, you know, ideal. Uh, we got a little spread and, and uh, you know, just – one of the few times this year where we just kind of got out of sync and uh, just lost our flow on both ends really in the second half. And so I got to do a better job with our team. Questions? Brad, without seeing tape, it seems like they weren't all wide open. It seems like some of them were. But that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How frustrating is it when when you do have a hand in their face and they're still open? Well, I mean, that's – you know, when the higher levels you play, you get to the ACC and you're going to deal with guys that are shot makers. And that's that's one of the major separators is guys can make guarded shots. And, uh, you know, usually the guarded shots don't get you beat. It's the easy baskets, the open ones. And we gave up plenty of those, too. Um, you know, we got behind and that's just not very good for us. Um, we're chasing them from behind and that's not really who we are. Um, so then it was, you know, really problematic the last, whatever, six minutes. Um, and obviously they made us pay. And, and you know, they have extremely good guard play. Pack is elite. Not just – I mean, he's just elite with the ball as a decision-maker, shooter. Um, you know, they, those guys have been in a lot of games. Norchad, big, strong, physical kid that, you know, doesn't panic. Um, and And – Obviously, Keyshawn George was great at the beginning of the game. I think that's his name. Uh, seven, he's a heck of a player. So they have really good players. When they're comfortable and confident, they're going to be hard to guard. And, you know, we actually started the game terribly defensively. Like, we made, like, three mistakes in the first four possessions of the game, and it's like I, I don't really know where, where our guys were mentally. It was I was disappointed. And we regrouped and played much better the last 16 minutes of the half. And then uh, a little bit like Memphis, we start the second half just awful. And uh, once it snowballed against us, we had a hard time getting it turned around. I think we made one mini run and got it to two. Was that right? And But when you, as soon as you turn around, it's back up to eight or ten, and it's like, what just happened? And uh, so, again, a lot of that is credit to Miami. They, they just – they played in an, an elite level in the second 20 minutes. Give their kids a lot of credit. Any more questions in the room for Coach? Anybody on Zoom have anything for Coach? Brad, this Brad. is Larry. How much does their pace 
speed you up and and and, and sort of discombobulate you uh, in terms of playing in, in control. Uh, it, it probably did a little bit more tonight than you know Alabama's probably plays faster. I mean Miami doesn't really they don't race horse the ball after you score against them. They play with good tempo, great pace. I mean, uh, but we did get a little, we just got out of sorts. Um, you know, I, I, I'm really, I just thought we were completely out of sorts and uh, I didn't do a good job of getting my guys to calm down and relax. This is, this was probably the first time all year where we, lost a little composure in terms of like doing what we planned to do in the second half, a little bit on both ends. And we had a few shots that, you know, Chase had some shots. We had some shots that we could have made that we missed. And when we missed those, they, their transition was really good against us. Um, But I don't think it was anything drastically that they did defensively. Um, that resulted in us not being able to guard them. Do you, you got the, do you think you got the ball down to PJ in the post enough? No, I was disappointed. I thought I didn't think he wanted to get down there very much. And I was telling him that, you know, you know, plus they're scoring. So he's taking the ball out a lot and, you know, he needed to fight to get lower and do some more things. And, um, I just we just didn't have a lot of grit and toughness and staying power in the game. Um, we we did not get the game grinding enough, probably at times. Um, you know, the thing I've fought this team with occasionally is we have a lot of good offensive players whose identity is probably more offensive minded than defensive minded, and uh, sometimes that can work against us where. We're not as bothered by being scored upon as some of my other teams because we think we can outscore them. And we, you know, we do usually – we scored 82 tonight. That should be enough to to have a chance to win the game. And we scored 82 we really weren't in position to win the game. So um, I fought our guys with that a little bit. I actually talked to them about it on Friday at practice. I kind of got after them at practice on Friday because I didn't think our defensive intensity was good enough. And – uh it improved through practice, but, uh, you know, again, that's just something that, that we've got to do a better job of players and coaches. I bet you they'll bring the defense against North Carolina. Now, whether or not that'll be good enough, we'll have to wait and see, but I got to believe he's hitting it hard today, tomorrow in practice about defense and, um, you know, are they going to be playing a much more talented team? I mean, Miami is talented. North Carolina is always talented, Clemson's going to have to pick it up defensively. P.J. Hall's got to stay on the court. Can't get into foul trouble. He did foul out last night. Uh, You need him out there for uh, all 40 minutes. Uh, He did give them last night uh, 17 points and six rebounds in 29 minutes before fouling out. You'd like him, of course, on the floor 35 minutes. Um, So you got to keep him. Got to keep him on the floor. He played the least amount of all the starters for the Tigers last night. Okay, let's go to the recruiting report now. And our recruiting report is brought to you by Seawells. And, Pat, you want to uh, break the big news about what tomorrow is at Seawells? Or do you want me to do it? 
No, that's just fine. Yeah, tomorrow, Seawells is back in action. I believe they were actually back in action today, but we did not have a menu yet for you. Mm. But tomorrow, Friday, January the 5th, Seawells will bring back fan favorite, Roast Beef Friday, carved roasted sirloin of beef, along with southern fried chicken and seasoned baked pork chops and then don't oh forget in, yeah. in one buffet that's right all all together i told you when they you every time sea wells takes a bit of a break give their staff a little bit of an extra holiday they always come back swinging and they bring out the good stuff so tomorrow you don't want to miss that and then don't forget you can also get all your local farm fresh veggies salad bar and dessert all right sounds great make sure you get there for that if you need them for the catering business if you need them to come and give you the best in the catering business just call them at 803-771-7385. So, again, a very active day for South Carolina. The Gamecocks get offensive tackle Torricelli Simpkins. Could be Torricelli, but we'll go with Torricelli Simpkins. 6'5", 320, North Carolina Central. He is uh, the best lineman in the MEAC. Lineman of the year, an FCS, third-team All-American, an HBC All-American play uh i hope i said center for some reason i've got ot here but he is a center and so the gamecocks get a big body there with experience and with some uh, credentials from the meac fcs level he is a native of charlotte and will have a chance to play right away Uh, east carolina colorado state also offered him once he hit the portal Then tonight, the Gamecocks got the commitment from Amari Huggins-Bruce from Dillon and Louisville, the transfer from Louisville. And uh, he was a standout in high school at Dillon High School before going to Louisville. He wasn't, as I recall, he wasn't heavily recruited in-state by the Gamecocks, the Tigers, opted to go to Louisville. And he called 80 passes for 1,181 yards and 10 touchdowns in his career, 5'11", 170. So maybe he kind of offsets the loss of Jaden McGowan, who uh, decommitted. You know, it's funny. The Gamecocks have had three transfer decommitments when you think about it. The two from Vanderbilt, the quarterback and the receiver. And then, according to Gamecock Central, Brady Hunt is not going to South Carolina. He's going to flip and go to uh, Texas A&M, where his former position coach is now going to coach. However, not that it means anything, but Hunt still has his commitment to South Carolina on his X page, formerly known as Twitter. So he has not taken that down yet. Uh, He committed to the Gamecocks December 17th after visiting the prior weekend. But again, expected now to flip to Texas A&M. Former uh, Furman offensive tackle transfer Pearson Toomey uh, was at Florida State for a couple of days, told the media after leaving Florida State he was headed to South Carolina, so he should be at South Carolina tonight. Could have a decision by Saturday, though he said NC State and Duke were two others that were possibles for him to look at. But uh, sounds like South Carolina, Florida State might be one of those. And former USC linebacker Grayson Pub Howard didn't waste any time finding a new home as uh, some great, great one-day recruiting by Florida, man. They really got it done in that real quick window uh, as he flips to uh, Florida from South Carolina, transferring from uh, South Carolina to Florida. I'm sure there had been no contact by anybody prior to him entering the portal, John. Certainly that would not happen. Uh, USC showing some interest in Florida State transfer quarterback Tade Rodemaker, 6'4", 196". 
entered the portal in late December, appeared in 23 games over four seasons. He passed for 901 yards, seven touchdowns, five interceptions. He would have started the Orange Bowl, but he opted out. Don't know if he's visiting. Of course, we've been thinking that Chandler Morris is going to visit South Carolina this week, but we do not have uh, definite plans from him on that. Of course, you know, classes are starting up. The mid-year guys are arriving, so you need to get the visits done and get in if you're going to be part of spring practice, I guess. Alabama transfer center Seth McLaughlin out of Buford, Georgia, heavily recruited by Clemson in the spring of 2019, but the Tigers took two other linemen before he was ready to commit, and then he landed at Alabama. So he's now uh, out there, and um, in fact, he's taking a visit to Ohio State today, and Clemson could make a play for him again in this situation. Also, I believe Ole Miss is involved, and he might be visiting Ole Miss as well. And there seems to be some Clemson interest in Ole Miss transfer running back Quinshawn Judkins. Now, his Entry into the portal, John, shocked everybody. And his two years in Oxford, 2,725 yards and 31 touchdowns in two years. I mean, he is a man in that offense. And the interest, you know, in that if you follow the follows, you see where there's several Clemson coaches following uh, Quinshawn Judkins, which would lead you to believe that there's some contact, some attempted contact, going on between the two to see what kind of interest there might be. Ridgeview product, UNLV transfer receiver Seneca McKee committed to Coastal Carolina. Kansas State transfer quarterback Will Howard has committed to Ohio State, according to Pete Themmel. Ohio State transfer receiver Noah Rogers committed to NC State. Boise State, the favorite to land Southern Cal transfer quarterback Malachi Nelson, according to Pete Themmel. Of course, USC had some early contact with him. T.L. Hanna, cornerback Cam Strong, plans to visit Georgia Tech on the 20th. Tight end Marshall Pritchett of Charleston and Rabin Gap, Georgia, was offered by the new Texas A&M staff. Wando linebacker Brock Feinberg was offered by Buffalo. 2026 receiver Carnell Warren of Bluffton plans to visit USC on January 20th. Got one more thing to add here, one Phil. One more thing. So Wisconsin offensive lineman Noli Rucci has entered the transfer portal as well. He's from Lidditz, Pennsylvania. It was class of 2021. You may ask, why do we care in South Carolina about a, an offensive lineman from Pennsylvania playing in Wisconsin? Mm-hmm. Well, he was heavily sought after by Clemson as well back in the 2021 class, and he ended up having his final three being Wisconsin, Alabama, Clemson. He has only started or, or, or yeah played excuse me in six games in three seasons he redshirted his first year in the last two years has had injuries and then just depth chart hasn't been able to get on the field but the presumptive thought here is that there is a need at offensive line at Alabama and maybe at Clemson in particular he moved from tackle position to the interior and Clemson remember lost guard Mitchell Mays to the transfer portal earlier this month curious to see if the Tigers make a move at him what's his name again Nolan Rucci. He was a top five rated. I know we don't want to put too much into that, but he was a top five rated five star prospect out of high school, and he had offers from pretty much every major program in the country. I think I remember his name. Spell his last name R U C C I. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Rucci. Remember that. Yep. I think he might have visited Clemson. Did you say he visited? He did. He visited Clemson, and he was heavily recruited by Robbie Caldwell, who, of Mm -hmm. course, is is not there at this point anymore. But still, he was heavily, heavily recruited and did visit the Tigers. Yeah, yeah. 
right, just like with this McLaughlin kid trying to get back in there. They might have had him the first go-around, but they took a couple of other guys to fill out their offensive line haul for that class, and he went ahead and committed to, to Alabama. All right, there you go with recruiting from us. Keep a watch out on our website, sportstalksc.com, and on Twitter at sportstalksc. Got to hit a quick break, and we'll come back. And uh, not going to get to Lamont Paris' comments. We'll do that tomorrow night. But we will wrap things up and tell you in the uh, in, at halftime, uh, the Gamecocks, the women leading Florida 48-34. They can thank me later by talking about their poor free throw shooting. They're 7 of 8 from the line. Shot 53% from the floor in the first half. And the Gamecocks are being led by Pow Pow with 14 points. Be right back. Call Lawyer Lisa. Experience the difference with Lawyer Lisa. Hi, this is Lisa Hosteller-Brown. Do you know the difference between a revocable trust and an irrevocable trust? The difference could easily save you hundreds of thousands of dollars in long-term care costs. Visit LawyerLisa.com to schedule a consultation today. Call Lawyer Lisa. Experience the difference with Lawyer Lisa. 7511 St. Andrews Road, Irmo, South Carolina. Daddy, you need a trust. George Bryan here for Tsunami Bar Sports, and some say the fun is in the winning. I say the fun is in the training. And Tsunami Robbie, what do you say? George, we all know you get more done when you're having fun. This technology is different. It's engaging, but it's also a lot of fun to use. Hi, this is Phil Kornblut. Be sure to click on the digital ad on sportstalksc.com and get 5% off any Tsunami Bar order using promo code BBB5. Don't wait. Order today. Touchstone Energy Cooperative members save more, more on electricity, and members save more on insurance, groceries, health care, restaurants, travel, concerts, and sporting events through co-op connections. Touchstone Energy is an alliance of the member-owned electric cooperatives, and as a member, the power is yours. Experience the power of co-op membership with Touchstone Energy and find out how much you can save on electricity and a whole lot more at touchstoneenergy.com. We're with Major Billy Downer of the Department of Natural Resources. Major Downer, let's say I'm out in the woods or I'm on the water and I need to reach a DNR agent. How do I do that? Operation Game Thief, Phil. It's been around 30 plus years. You can call us at our 24-hour hotline any time of day, 1-800-922-5431. To report wildlife violations or to get help if you're in trouble in the woods or on the water, call us at Operation Game Thief, 1-800-922-5431. All right, final minutes of Sports Talk tonight. Let me update some more basketball for you. College of Charleston leading Hofstra 34-32. They're at the half. And in terms of anything else uh, catches my eye around the country, uh, in the Big Ten, Michigan State stomping Penn State 50-26. Michigan State's 0-2 in the league at this point, so they're going to turn that around tonight. And... um, it's the only other game that I see at this point in time that grabs my interest. Let's go to the PGA Tour first tournament of the year. It's the Century out in uh, Hawaii at the Plantation Course at Kapalua. This is 
is this? I think this is the one that that brings in like all the winners from the previous year. I guess um, it's a small field, I believe, and then a reduced field. Looks like it's um, yeah, a field of about sixty or so. It's not all winners from last year, but uh, winners, former winners. That's something to do with guys who've won tournaments in the past. Whatever. Uh, your leader right now is Colin Morikawa and also Camilio Villegas. And they are at 65. That's eight under par. Xander Shoffley and Patrick Canlay next 66, seven under par. Brian Harmon at uh, six under, 67, along with Luke List, Sepp Straka, Tom Hoagie, and Max Homa. They're all in. As far as some others, uh, we've got uh, Jordan Spieth on the course at three under. Scotty Scheffler on the course through three under. On the course at three under, through 11. Both are through 11. Lucas Glover is one under through 15 holes. There you go. Underway with the golf season. I know George Bryan is ecstatic to have the PGA Tour uh, back in our lives. And uh, we'll see what happens with golf. PGA, Live Golf, Majors, Masters right around the corner. Every time we turn the calendar over, it's always the first thing on our minds, isn't it? The Masters. That's right. Coming up in April. Uh, a few other things of importance to tell you about that we haven't touched on uh, so far tonight. Let's see if we can do so. Um, NCAA President Charlie Baker's sweeping proposal could be adopted by August uh, Dennis Dodd from CBS Sports got his hands on some of the paperwork. Uh, some of this has been put out there before. Uh, his proposal, which would allow schools to directly negotiate NIL deals with athletes and establish annual trust funds of $30,000 per athlete. And he said this all could come with the creation of a new subdivision for rules-making purposes. In a D1 Board of Directors agenda distributed to members this week ahead of the convention, the board generally agreed the elements can be discussed and acted on independent of one another. That's the first indication that major college athletics could further subdivide for the first time since 1978, and the pay-for-play proposal need not be adopted in order for it to happen. So... I don't know where this is going to go. The idea of a $30,000 per athlete trust fund. Do they think, certainly that's not what they think is going to satisfy the athletes. That's, and, and then what's the purpose of that? If you're going to negotiate NIL deals, why would you also establish a $30,000 per athlete trust fund? I don't know what the two, why, unless the two are connected somehow. Unless you're going to tell the athletes, yes, we're going to do this, but the maximum is $30,000, and we're going to put it in a trust fund. How are you going to do that when, since this all came about, you're paying athletes uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars, if not over a million, and they're not putting the money in trust funds per se. They're putting the money in Lamborghinis and uh, Mercedes and things like that. They're spending that money, from what I can tell, being around parking lots for sure. Not saying some aren't uh, putting it away for a rainy day. They should. Hopefully they've got people working with them who have their future interest at heart, uh, not looking to make a quick buck, and they're putting that money away uh, for uh, their future. So I don't know. I don't know what all this is going to mean right now, these proposals and how they're going to uh, shake out. But 
trying to curb what they've been doing is going to be hard to legislate because they've lost every legal battle when it's come to anything to restraining the players' movement or what the players can earn now over the last few years. We'll pick up on that tomorrow and get ready for the NFL weekend, the championship game, and, of course, basketball. Thank you, Pat. Thank you, everybody. See you tomorrow.